Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, Magic and Alchemy is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kate Ballou, and my co-host, Kristen Lisenby. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lisenby. Kristen, it's good to see you. How is your summer treating you? It has been so wonderful. Thank you for asking. The past couple of months have been full of gardening and goats and meeting Airbnb guests, which is mm-hmm. always so fun to experience the island for the first time again through someone else's eyes. Um, you know, we don't do much traveling over the summer, uh, but we do have family coming to see us in a couple of weeks. So super excited about that and more on that later. But what about you? Any summer happenings to share? Any trips planned? Well, that sounds great. Um, when this episode airs, I will have just returned from Corfu with my siblings, dad and stepmom. Mm-hmm. So very excited to travel to the Ionian Sea and spend some time with my family. And I also have the uh, pleasure of working remotely. So I'll be heading to my mom's house in the woods on the water in northern Michigan into August uh, for our annual uh, mom and sibling gathering. So really, really excited, really enjoying all of summer's blessings presently. But yeah. Yeah, that sounds so cool. Greece, two years in a row. I can't wait so lucky. to hear more. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm really excited about our conversation today. Uh, we're going to discuss a very fun and special topic, planetary magic. So listeners, if you feel inclined, maybe pause this recording and visit a site like astro.com or Cafe Astrology, where you can see where Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune show up for you in your own birth chart and discover which of these planets is your chart ruler, which we will tell you how to do. And then get ready to journey into the stars with Shelby Bundy because the creator behind Tamed Wild is here with us today. Longtime listeners already know Shelby because we chatted with her in Magic and Alchemy Season 2, all about her journey creating Tamed Wild and her personal practice as a witch and business owner. But listeners, if you missed that conversation, make sure to check out Season 2, Episode 45, Witchy Business. Yes, Shelby is a creative, a witch, an alchemical business owner, and a past life regression facilitator, tarot reader, astrologer, among many other amazing things. Hello, and welcome back, Shelby. Let's talk planetary magic. Shelby, it is so good to see your face. It's great to have you here with us today. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yes, and we're talking planetary magic today, listeners. So when we say planetary magic, 
Kristen, Shelby, like, what do we mean? How do we define this? And what is it about this type of magic that speaks to you? For me personally, I think that I'm drawn to it because it can be done anywhere at any time without any tools. And it's really simple to, once you understand the meanings and the energies of the planets, it's really simple and easy to integrate them into your daily life. It just doesn't take much to harness their powers. Yeah, coming up with a definition for this is tricky because I feel like I know so much, but then I also know like nothing at all. I feel like I've hardly scratched the surface with this type of work. Um, But I think for me, planetary magic just means appealing to planetary energies like through cosmic alignments and correspondences and myths and hymns and plant allies, like all these different things. And then directing those energies um, like during ritual or meditation to support me and my magical practice. Um, And then, you know, by building this relationship with these external like planetary energies, I hope to also deepen my understanding of and relationship with self, um, you know, with help from these ancient evolving archetypes. Mm -hmm. Shelby, what is it about planetary magic besides the fact that it can be done anywhere that like really like stood out to you, at least like in the beginning? I feel like within all the planets and the luminaries that we use in our natal charts that we access every single important part of our life. You know, you can't, if you look at the wheel, um, the astrological wheel, and the houses, and then the planets as themselves, you really, you get a complete picture of the human experience. You, you know, with each one being a personality or an archetype, um, the way they show up in your life, there's a, there's a planet for everything, basically, you know, and with one planet having multiple uses, of course. Um, but I just find that it's, it's so easy, it's easy to access and it's easy to understand. Um, and it's just really comprehensive. It's really cohesive. Mm-hmm. It touches on everything. And eerily accurate, usually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how it, too, how it situates us in our solar system, right? Like, it reminds us that we are on this, like, planet floating through space and that all of these planetary bodies are having conversations and connections with each other. And also just sort of that we continue to learn things. Like, I love how, you know, we haven't known Pluto for that long or Neptune or some of these outer planets, especially in that... Some of my teachers have talked about how when we're ready to learn or address a certain topic, like another aspect or layer of this human experience, like you were saying, Shelby, like, then that's when we are called to kind of dive more into that planet's lesson, which I think is really special. I find that really interesting because I study, um, was originally taught traditional astrology. And I know you were, so we, when I was learning, um, we don't really take into account as heavily the outer planets. And so I remember Kate us having a conversation and I asked you like, what's your take on that? And then you explained to me that that's what you were taught, that they show up when we need them. And that completely altered how I look at those planets now. I think that's so wise and such a good way to look at it. And so, I mean, Kristen, how does this look for you in your daily practice? Mm, Well, well, I have this fun little app called Time Passages. Mm. Um, Kate, I know you love the Chani app, mm-hmm. um, which is great as well. But I use Time Passages. And so each day I will, you know, check to see which planet is where and 
where they're sitting in relation to the planets in my own personal natal chart. Um, and this app is great because it gives interpretations of these aspects and transits if you are like a forever student like me. Um, you know, and through this mini daily ritual of tracking the planets, um, you know, of course it may not seem super magical, but I am strengthening my relationship with each like planetary consciousness um, and building that foundation, I feel like is really necessary for me if I want to continue engaging with this type of work. Um, and then I, I know I also do the thing that I'm sure you two do as well, but just like honoring or noting um, each day of the week um, as it's associated with a specific planet and then planning my magical workings around those energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shelby, do you want to run us through the days of the week? Yeah, I um, I made a little infographic that I love that has <laughs> been floating around that makes it easy to understand. Um, so the way that I work my week around it is, you know, if you look at Monday, um, which is ruled by the moon, I look at that as kind of creating the home environment, you know, and, and I mean that within business, within whatever you're doing, like you're setting the stage, you're making it comfortable, you're making sure that you're, you're, you can show up, you're present and that you are, have created a space that is conducive to everything else that you have to do um, in the rest of the week. So Mondays for me are kind of like, if I'm applying it to work, you know, I'm kind of like cleaning up my desk area, my office, like getting everything organized and making my list of kind of what I want to accomplish this week and, you know, making sure that I'm prepared. Um, Tuesday's kind of like, I think what Monday used to be before I started paying attention to this, which is just like, get up and go, you know, like do the thing. Um, Tuesday being ruled by Mars is kind of that energetic, like go get it done energy. So Tuesday, I find I'm just like hitting the to-do list hard and I'm just kind of like running through everything um, that I need to get done. Wednesday being ruled by Mercury, I tend to do which you guys obviously do with your podcast recording um, anything that's kind of thought provoking or anything that's going to require my brain power. I feel like it's best on Wednesday or Tuesday. I'm usually like kind of a little more physical that get out and do things. Um, Wednesday is when I will write or when I will organize, you know, anything that's kind of intellectual for me or that requires brain power. Cause it's still early enough in the week that I feel like I have some, you know, Thursday is usually finances and kind of any monetary, any logistical, any organizational stuff. Um, Thursday being ruled by Jupiter, it kind of gives us that time to work on expansion. And, you know, by that point in the week, I'm usually at a place where I feel like I need to kind of like start thinking about the next week and like what's coming up, like where am I growing to from here? Um, Friday being ruled by Venus is kind of the day that I just relax. And if I'm doing any work, it's more of the creative sort, you know, it's, it's less of that, um, gosh, I want to say like Virgo energy where you're just like being analytical (laughs) and it's more like Mm -hmm. free flowing, getting things done that way. Um, Saturday, I like to be more organized in my whole life versus my work life. So Saturday is more like, which I think a lot of us, it's like doing laundry, cleaning the house, like, you know, getting things done so that your life is more organized. Um, yeah. And Saturn's um, Saturday is ruled by Saturn. So it's kind of that structure boundaries, like making sure everything's tidied up the way it's supposed to go. And then Sunday, I guess this is very biblical, but it is kind of like a day of rest. <laughs> um, and it's ruled by the sun, of course. So it's, 
in my world, I think I look at that more as it's the day to kind of like shine a light on all the things that I enjoy doing and kind of to get that, get rejuvenated, you know, re-get that energy so that I can start it all over again on Monday. So that was kind of a long explanation, but no, <laughs> that's that was beautiful. <laughs> that's how I go through it. <laughs> and that's not to say that's every week either, because everybody, you know, of course you fall off, but that would be the ideal plan as far as structuring. And I do that in like the business coaching practice, you know, that I have, I, I kind of t- uh, lean people towards that structure also, because just like I was saying about the chart and the houses and the plan, it's like, it really is cohesive. There's nothing that gets left out. You know, you're planting, you're harvesting, you're planting and you're harvesting and you just keep going in this cycle where you're paying attention to what you're doing now, but also looking ahead. What about you, Kate? What are we leaving out here? I was just thinking about kind of like the magic of paying attention, like how when we start paying attention to these things, like you were talking about with time passages or Chani or the working with an infographic or really whatever it is, but just the small noticings that happen. And then once the small noticings happen, how they unfurl into like bigger noticings and practices. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that that is such a special ritual, like the ritual of paying attention. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to um, say that for any listeners who don't think that that's a ritual, I think that that is the biggest Mm -hmm. ritual. So well, in the simplest way, I think that mm-hmm. we witches do that is setting intentions on the new moon and releasing on the full moon. I mean, that's the, I feel like that is exactly that, you know, paying attention to the passage of time and did this idea get away from me or did this goal, did I, did I do the work to get, attain it, you know? And so, yeah, it is, it's paying attention. Yeah. I love a Venus day. I was just thinking, I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go get my nails done on Friday. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that is like my most favorite <laughs> thing to do but the best rituals (laughs) Mm -hmm. poetry you you know what's funny is if you imagine mixing them up it wouldn't make any sense either you know like it's just divine timing because if you imagine having to do your venus day or trying to do your venus day at the beginning of the week you know you'd be like i can't for me at least i'd be like i can't relax yet i'm not having gotten through the things you know absolutely so Kristen, Shelby, I would love to hear your thoughts on planetary correspondences and why or why not you think that they are important. And then also what type of correspondences you are particularly drawn to, plants, colors, symbols, stories, and then how do you utilize them in your craft? Um, You know, for me, planetary correspondences actually are really important. Um, Currently, they help me tap into you know, planetary energies from a sensory perspective, Um, you know, us humans being sensory beings, it's one of our innate gifts. Um, So certain correspondences to me sort of feel like clues, I guess. Um, And maybe this is just me, but like I have to know why one planet is associated with something. So why Venus is associated with perfume and copper and roses, why Venus loves apples and pomegranates you know, like there is definitely a story here. Um, These things are not just random associations that someone pinned to this planet. Um, And these stories, you know, behind the correspondences can really illuminate the pieces of Venus or another planet's story that has either been forgotten or fragmented or warped over time or even just generally misunderstood. Um, 
And as far as what kind of correspondences I'm drawn to, I'm drawn to all sorts. Uh, Plants are a big one, Um, but myths and stories as well, probably not surprising to anyone. But stories can be really powerful correspondences. Um, You know, not only say reading about Mars or Venus or Pluto stories from mythical standpoints, but also writing my own stories, trying to add layers and context to energies that appear really one-dimensional and one-sided. Um, reframing the malefics is something I've been focusing a lot on lately in my craft, um, specifically Mars and Pluto, my chart rulers, um, which I know we're going to char- talk chart rulers um, in just a little bit here. Um, but I also love the traditional type symbols and correspondences too. So say just like the astrological sign, those symbols, um, the elemental symbols, the color, the numbers associated. Um, and even without digging into the how and why of each one, I think just the symbol itself is quite powerful and the magical wisdom of these symbols exist in our collective psyche. So even if planetary magic is still really new to us, I think meditating on, you know, for example, the planetary symbol of Mars, the color red, um, you know, the elemental symbols denoting fire and earth or the emperor and tarot, there's so many options. Um, but that in itself is a spell to connect with these Martian energies. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up tarot because that for me, Um, has been a really helpful tool in connecting the energies with the images of the tarot and the Mm -hmm. cards that are associated with certain planets and certain signs. And when you kind of look at it as a whole with the tarot card, you know, it it helps you get an understanding of who the person is, Um, which I think that kind of goes along with, with imagery. So for me, I'm studying the archetypal astrology course at Pacifica right now. And um, Lawrence Hillman is one of the instructors. And he has this great book that I'm almost done with called Planets in Play. And he speaks about the, our life being a stage, our, you know, our world being a stage. And for each of us, we have these actors, which are the planets. And they're on our stage. And where are they on our stage? You know, when you look at your chart and you see from the bird's eye view, if you imagine your stage being round, you've got these people standing. And the way that he explains each actor or planet, he talks about what they would be wearing based on what sign they're standing in. What are they doing based on what slice of the pie chart are they in? You know, So there's this really great image that comes forth of, okay, my Mercury is in Gemini. Like, what is, what is he wearing? And, you know, he's in the 11th house. Like, what's his house look like? Like, what's in that house? What's going on there? You know, and then it even goes farther into aspects where you look at who are they standing next to on the stage? Who are they holding hands with? Who are they making out with? Who are they having a standoff with? You know, and so the imagery that kind of gives you that personification of these planets as gods, you know, or as people that are in charge of certain parts of your life, it really, for me, that like opens the floodgates of being able to understand them. And, you know, any given planet, you know, Mars and Cancer is wearing one outfit, but when he transitions, you know, and he moves into Leo, like what's he wearing now, you know? And so it really helps with transits also when you're kind of looking at that part of your chart. I love that. I've never heard that before. I love that interpretation. This is the book. Planets in Play, Lawrence Hillman. Write this down. He's one of the instructors um, at the Pacifica 
um, advanced archetypal astrology program. And it's amazing. It just, it literally took away so many blockages when I have certain things that I was trying to understand in my own chart. Once it was explained to me that way. And my imagination was able to start seeing like, okay, what would this person look like? What would they be wearing? What would they be talking about? Um, it just, yeah, it was really helpful. I love that. I feel like someone that I talked to once told me that the circle of the chart is like a dinner table that Mm -hmm. everyone's pulled up to too. And it's a nice like thing to think about who's talking or yelling across the table or like how, what the Mm -hmm. style of those communications styles would be if that was the format. And I I love that. And I wonder if they were inspired by, I think you and I were talking about that. I think Mm -hmm. we did. Yeah. I think we talked about that once. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because if you imagine, you know, that scenario around table, it's like you're carrying on good conversation with the person sitting next to you, but everybody's talking, you know, so you can't talk as well with the person across the table, but two people down, you know, so it kind of just gives you this, this image aspects are, are something that has been a struggle for me and Riss and I talk about this a lot because she was so good at that. She says that that was just something that came so easy to her. And for me, I'm like, I can't grasp the geometry of this and that with the planets. And then once I got that dinner table scenario and now the stage scenario, it's like, okay, I get it. Kate, what about you? How do correspondences show up in your craft? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like especially just this spring and winter from working with you on our crossroads class, like those stories, especially the ones that you have teased out, maybe as a part of the reframing of the malefics, um, have been really potent, like thinking about Aries and Mars and um, and Pluto and so many of the different uh, stories that kind of uh, orbit around these figures too. And and so I think, I think that that's kind of been my main correspondence exploration and and always the encouragement to to like go older or go further mm-hmm. back which is something that you have kind of taught me is it's like okay if this is the first layer then what's the next layer of the story and then if we twist the story on its head a little bit or we think about how someone else might interpret the story then it adds so many dimensions to that planet that might not be available right away which I think is really cool and then I would love to learn more about plants because I feel like those are two things that I love so much, like the planets and astrology and then herbalism. But I haven't quite found the format yet for uh, sort of like understanding the the crisscross or the crossroads of those two two things. And so I'm if anyone has any good resources for that, I would love to. Shelby, I know you sent me that course online that I have saved. But yeah. I think that that would be be really interesting. And my teacher was a medical or medical astrologer, and so she kind of had talked a little bit about that. So I've thought about how herbs work with that a little bit, but not so much with the plant spirits themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting um, interesting side of astrology. I haven't looked into it either. I did, yeah, just I saw that herbal astrology course, and it was odd mm-hmm. to see those two words together, you know, because at least for me, for the most part, like you equate herbalism with somewhat of a scientific and astrology. I mean, it's a, it's scientific and it's not, you know, so it's, it's, it was just an interesting, uh, meshing up, but yeah, I think yeah. that'd be interesting. And I feel like some herbs, like it feels very clear, like what they are, like when someone's like, okay, Belladonna is ruled by Saturn in my head, in my heart, I like 
deeply understand that for some reason, but then other things just don't click as well. And I'm like, where is this coming from? But yeah, it would be, that would be really interesting. I would think Pluto for Belladonna. That's funny. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the witches are of like Saturn's kind of like the god of witches, right? So. Yeah, I think I'm thinking death and transformation, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Belladonna, but yeah. But it is interesting because those associations can be different too, depending mm-hmm. on the practitioner. So it's like, why does one of these correspondences rule out over another or something like that? It's really mm-hmm really interesting. I don't have an answer for it. So Kate, Shelby, any thoughts on engaging with planetary magic from a business standpoint? Shelby, you want to go ahead? Yeah. um, For me, I think I it probably would kind of go back to what I said about planning the week, you know, and and really knowing, you know, my structure of my week for the for operating a business, but also paying attention to the transits, you know, and knowing what day um, is best for certain things. And I I we always talk about Tame Wild, like it's she's a person. I don't know if we've had this conversation before, but I pulled a chart for Tame Wild. She's a Capricorn, and um, you know, I really, I look at her chart during certain times to see like, okay, we had this plan to expand or we have, you know, we're having some struggles. And sometimes my looking at transits or looking at, um, I guess kind of the status of things for Tame Wild and even myself, I feel like it can be reactionary, you know, like I'm going, what the F is going on? Like, I got to look at a chart, you know, instead of being like, um, proactive and being like, oh, next week could be a struggle. You know, I get to next week and then I'm like, why am I drowning? Like, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, well, of course that makes sense. But, um, so I'm, I'm learning to be better with that, but yeah, I would say that that's how I would use it. Most business-wise is just kind of paying attention to what's going on and what days are better for certain things. If you have like a big launch coming up or something, like, would you plan something like that? Or if you were starting a new business, is that something like you would look you know, several months down the road and sort of plan in advance? You know, I'm really, um, I would like to say yes, but I am really kind of a fly by the seat of your pants kind of gal. So I'm a Leo Mm -hmm. rising. That's probably why. And so, um, you know, really honestly, no, I should, but I don't think I look at, I don't look that far ahead for those big things. I more am daily and, you know, like I said, weekly and I kind of go from there. I feel like when big things get birthed out of my um, any ideas that, you know, come out of my mind, it's like, it's, that's the time that is supposed to be there. So I don't, mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not good at being like, sit on that idea and bring it to fruition on this day. Cause it's better, mm. which probably is the way it should be done, but <laughs> no shoulds here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. And I, I think for myself, like I, maybe this seems small. I don't know. That's the first thing that came to mind when you brought that up, Kristen, was to use it on social media. Like I Mm. love planetary magic on social media. It is so much fun to me. And because I think that all of the planets are fun in their own ways that I feel like when I can make like an homage or a mood board or pick a certain sort of topic, like even for the Tamed Wild Instagram to kind of match with these energies, like that's when it kind of has this nice like cosmic waltz going on. Um, And the posts always seem to kind of do 
do quote unquote better, or I seem to feel happier Mm -hmm. about them or something where I'm like, okay, like, yes, it's Mercury day. Like these are some like wings or wisps. And then on Venus day, like these are some love notes or very Venusian sort of roses or something, or like on moon day, it's like, what are some sort of like planting of seeds or connecting with even what sign the moon is in? Like it's an Aries today, which I love, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) Um, I love that because it feels like working with the flow mm -hmm. and not against it. You know, it's like being in the rhythm versus, you know, fighting it. And I think things just move along with ease when you do that a lot better. Definitely. And then there's always something to talk about too. Like I know that sometimes folks are like, I don't have anything to talk about. And I'm like, that's not true. Like (laughs) there's always something to, (laughs) to explore, you know, especially when you're thinking about yourself or your chart in relationship to, to these stories. So should we talk about our ruling planets? Let's. Um, Maybe Shelby, do you want to explain to our listeners how um, they might find that out? Yeah. So um, on your chart, you look for your first house and the sign that is on the cusp of your first house is your rising sign. And then you find the planet that is associated as the ruler of that sign. So for me, I'm a Leo rising. And so my chart ruler is the sun. And also too, just for folks, it might say ASC, right? Like ascendant. Oh, uh, yes. Just, just, yes. Ascendant, yeah. yeah. And that you can just Google like ruler of whatever that ascendant says, just just in case it's confusing because I know it can be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially if you're, I use the whole house system. So if you're not using the whole house system and there's all these lines, it could be confusing. So yeah, wherever the ASC is. And Kristen and I are twins. We are twins. Yeah. As Scorpio Risings, um, our ruling planets are Mars and Pluto. Uh, And these are two planets that also sit in my first house. And I sometimes I think this is why I've made it like my mission to reframe the malefics because apparently I'm also (laughs) malefic. Um, But I love Mars. I love love Pluto. You know, I love his bride, Persephone. Um, I love the underworld, fire flowers. So... I embrace it all. Wow, that's my next tattoo. I just think malefic. (laughs) (laughs) Malefic. So that actually might be something worth mentioning too, what you just mentioned about having two rulers, Mm -hmm. because that's more of a modern Mm. take. Because in traditional astrology, uh, Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus don't rule signs. So depending on how you're, Mm -hmm. depending on how you're looking at it or what type of system you're learning. So like Mars is traditional, right? Like Mars would be traditional. Mars is traditional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In traditional Saturn rules Aquarius and Capricorn, and then Mars rules Scorpio and Aries. So there's, there's ones that double up so that they can get through the 12. We discovered what Pluto in 1930. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> did you yeah. know like a nine-year-old yeah. girl named Pluto? Oh, I love that. No, I did not know that. Yeah. It she, makes me love it even more. Either. She was, uh, I think, I mean, listeners, don't quote me, look this story up. There's an article on NASA <laughs> that I have read before, but um, yeah, she was like nine or 10 years old. Her grandpa worked in some way with the conservatory and she was like, you should name it 
Pluto because she was really into mythology and her studies. And so she had fallen in love with Pluto and then put that name forward and her grandpa passed it along and they went for it. I love it. Wow. Plutonian tangent. (laughs) Plutonian. (laughs) Yeah, I find it interesting with the the chart rulers and whether it's one or two, like they're like we said before, it's like strangely accurate, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, for being a Leo rising, um, my son is in the 12th house. And so that's been a part of my own chart that I have like been chipping away at trying to understand um, for years. Yeah. And it's very interesting to me because I feel like other people who I've read charts for, I could see theirs and I could say, oh, I understand that knowing you, or I understand that, you know, with sitting here with you and seeing your chart. But in my own chart, I just, sometimes I struggle with it. I'm like, I don't really know what that means. But the one way I do see that it manifests is just kind of like this push pull, like, you know, I'm comfortable being on a podcast, but don't put me on a camera. You know, it's just kind of like this, like I can be out there, but not that much or else I want to run and hide. And So it's, and I see that in like all aspects of my chart with it being the ruler. I see that kind of like push pull and everything, you know. It's so interesting. Yeah. My teacher talked about it being like a little like avatar of us that goes out into the world, which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. But like, Kristen, how do you think that that works with both of them? I didn't realize Mars was also in your first house. So like Mm -hmm. if... How do you feel about that analogy if it is like a first house planet? Is it just, does it have this sort of like different take? I don't know. I mean, everything, I would love to hear people's interpretations. Everything's just like, you're an intense person. <laughs> like it's, it's like that type of thing. And I'm like, am I that intense? I don't know. I guess I am. Um, I would love to hear your guys' take on it as people who have, you know, way more astrological education than I do. I'm just like an armchair astrologer who reads, you know, a lot of books and plays around, but um, I've never studied it in like a professional sense. I would see your Mars first house in Scorpio as being kind of a determination and a motivation towards some of the darker thing, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of towards intense topics, which I feel like for you makes sense because you right. are interested in the underworld and in mythology and these things that aren't, you know, I would say, I don't, they're not, not socially acceptable. That's not the right term, but you know, I'm trying to say like things yeah. that are a little bit more, um, the occult under, uh, yeah. yes, thank you. That's the <laughs> word I'm looking for. Like an occultish, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like an underworld, you know, and you're very, you're very forthcoming when it, when in your abilities, when it comes to that, when it comes to finding the information and to, you know, speaking about it. And it's, I think it's just part of who you are, you know, you're very open about it. You have, there's no if, ands or buts, you know, you're very comfortable being in that world. And that would, to me, that's how I would see your Mars in the first manifest. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I can't believe we both have Pluto conjunct our ascendant too. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is kind of rare, right? Or is it not? I don't know. I just don't know anyone else's, but it I'm is. like, it's fun that you and I both have that. <laughs> Kate, you and I have Chiron at the exact same degree, remember, in the same house. I know. On our, <laughs> on our midheaven. Yeah. I just met another weird. person who had the same thing. And I was Maybe like, it's not that rare. Then. <laughs> but it was, I mean, but my friend, I won't, I won't name my friend, but uh, she is a triple Scorpio. And this was back when all the mm. eclipses were happening at fixed houses. And so she uh, had all, it was like the uh, Scorpio eclipse. And she, mm. she, te- and she does not know astrology at all. And she texted me and she's like, can you meet me in the park? 
And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I met her in the park and she was like, I'm having the worst day ever for no reason. And I was like, do you mind? Can I look at your birth chart? So we pulled it up and I was like, well, here's why. Here's why. <laughs> Go back she, home, get in bed. I was like, don't talk to anyone but me. <laughs> Go drink some tea. Know that it's fine. You're not crazy. Just breathe through it. And next mm-hmm. week it will be better. And then she texted me the following week and she's like, it's better. But um, yeah, the Chiron and the Midheaven, it's interesting. Yeah. I think that's interesting that your teacher taught you the avatar because that kind of goes along with the people, you know, the personification. I like that also, the avatar idea. I like to think of them too as like kind of like busybodies, like out, like mm-hmm. not minding their own business, <laughs> being like, well, what's going on over here? Like this sort of like ruling identity or self, like my Mars... Um, I think it's on cancer in the eighth. So mm-hmm. um, it's up to something over there. So I'm right. always curious about that. Like, I'm a little bit like, tell me what you're up to. Like, tell me the secret. Like, that's yeah. that's fun to me. It's like almost feels gossipy for like lack of a better word, which I'm into. Like gossiping with my own planets yeah. in my chart. <laughs> <laughs> She's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not going to talk about the Aries moon, but yeah. it's in the sixth house. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I have Mars like literally holding hands with Mercury in Gemini. Mm-hmm. And so I see that um I see that manifest honestly a lot in <laughs> my husband would laugh if he heard like in my marriage like when we argue I just like I feel like I and growing up everybody always said like oh Shelby could have been a lawyer because I which I could argue all day like I could argue a point I could debate you know and I feel like that's very Mars conjunct Mercury like it's like the god of war holding hands with the god of communication just like come on let's go you know <laughs> oh, that's so interesting yeah wait can I ask you both a question yeah mm-hmm. How do you feel the role of Earth is in our charts? I don't think it has one. I think we're on it. So it's just like perspective, right? But wouldn't that make it the most important one? Like Gaia, yeah. Or we're Earth-centric, so it's Earth-centric astrology, right? If we're at the center of the chart when we're born, this is something I've not been able to parse through, which I would love to hear your thoughts about. But I was sitting here on the couch talking about astrology or listening to something, and Cody looks at me, and he was just like, what about Earth? And mm-hmm. I was like, my jaw just <laughs> opened. And I was like, yeah, what about Earth? Like, What about Earth? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked this on my Instagram the other day, actually. Someone really? commented. Yeah, on an astrology post I did. Someone's like, what about Earth? And I was like, well, we're standing on it. So it's not, we don't, you know. But when you actually think about it, if you look at it from it being our perspective, from the place where we get our perspective, you know, it's very, um, we're grounded in it. You know, we're rooted in it. And so, I don't know, if you kind of put that... We're born into it. And so the snapshot is driven by our arrival here. Yeah. It's kind of our, I guess it's our safe space, you know, it's our home or which it is, but you know, um, it's the heart. It's the heart. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of the roots and the, yeah. And she would be Gaia, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And I was like, I feel like I'd have to read like a bunch of like Gaia stories. And then I'd be like, oh, I know who earth is supposed to be, you know, Mm -hmm. in a chart, but yeah, just off the top of my head, that's such a good question. I think Riss mm. has um, wrote the Gaia article on the Tamed Wild blog, so I'm going to go reread that mm. now, thinking yeah. about that. But that's yeah, an interesting it's, question. It's something I've been kicking around with myself for the past uh, month or something. So, thanks, Kate, because I wasn't already overwhelmed learning all the other astrology <laughs> stuff. Now I've got to ponder Earth, <laughs> which is like the most existential one, really. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, listeners, if you have thoughts about Earth, Earth as a planetary magic in a birth chart, especially, I would love to please send them our way. So in thinking about all of these planets that we have mentioned today, um, Shelby, would you mind running us through each planet um, and just speaking about them a little bit for our listeners who are new to astrology? Yeah, so we'll start with the luminaries, which is the sun and the moon. Your sun is basically your ego and it's who how you show up in the world. Um, your moon is your subconscious kind of speaks more to like your emotional needs, your instincts, um, more of the the subconscious part of you versus the outward. It's kind of the sun being the extrovert and the moon being the introverted side of you. Um, Mercury is the planet of communication, of learning, connections, writing, um, kind of more of the intellect parts of us. Venus is all beauty, love, harmony, connection. She just likes to, I always imagine her like the person at the party that's like dressed the best. And she's just like, oh, you know, my friend so-and-so, well, you've got to meet so-and-so, you know, just like (laughs) connecting people and always like the prettiest girl in the room. Um, Mars is action and assertiveness, ambition, determination, is a god of war. So wherever he's at in your chart is usually a place that you're just really motivated Um, to get things done. Jupiter is the planet of blessings and growth, expansion. So wherever you see him, it's kind of a part, a place in your life that could probably, you probably have ease. You don't have a lot of struggles usually where Jupiter's at um, or less struggles in other places, which brings us to Saturn, which is the, the planet of boundaries and restriction, structure, um, the patriarchy, I guess I could say. <laughs> and then Uranus is more rebellion, innovation, revolution, like change and, you know, ideas. With Neptune, you're in the spirituality, mysticism, dreams, and inspiration realm. And then Pluto, you have transformation, intensity, um, death and rebirth, and some kind of deeper subconscious topics. And how do how do you describe like the difference between um, your sun sign and your rising? That's something I always sort of struggle to like, you know, um, explain to people how they differ and how maybe they're similar as well. So where your sun sign is, is who you are as a person. So for me, like my son is in cancer. So at my core, you know, I'm a homebody. I I like making a home for my family. I like being home. I'm an introvert in most ways. Um, but my rising is a Leo. So my rising is for me personally, it's the opposite. You know, I've got this like really inward and then this really outward combo going on, but your rising is basically the mask you wear. It's what you, your persona, what you show to the world. So I always tell people it's what people might guess you are. You know, they, Mm. people who know me would say, oh yeah, Shelby's a total cancer, but people who Mm. don't know me or just surface know me would might say, I think she's a Leo if they knew anything about astrology. So That's kind of how I like to look at it and how I explain it to people that it seems to make sense. Yeah, I like that. Do you feel like you can see that with your own sun and rising? Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. What about you, Kate? How do you relate to your sun versus your rising? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I I think it's like always like my foot that I put forward, kind of like what you're saying, Mm -hmm. Shelby. It's like, ooh, is she a Scorpio? Is she an Aquarius? No, she's both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, it's, I think, yeah, like people who know me uh, would know me as an Aquarius, but there is that sort of Scorpio element, like especially from people who are kind of more acquaintances when I hear that any sort of like reflections about my personality. It's just how I've kind of seen that enacted but mm-hmm. it's so interesting my my teacher said that it's um you've got the person driving the car is your son and then your rising sign is the car that you're driving and then oh. the gas for your car mm. is your moon oh I love her I analogies she's yeah. really really nice yeah yeah because your moon you know, to me, the way that I see my moon and is it's really what I need to be fed emotionally in order to continue, you know, to continue operating. And I yeah. think it's really important in relationships to look at people's moons. Like, so, you know, Jason and I both have our moons in Libra. And so we communicate really well and we meet each other's needs really well, you know, with as far as our emotional needs, because we kind of have that same way that we're receiving that information, you know, that information in the way that we like to give it, the way we like to be loved and the way we love. And, um, and it's not just love, but, you know, kind of like emotional needs is a better way to put it. But yeah, I, that is interesting to consider that the gas in the car, I like that. That makes sense. Do you have, I mean, I know that there's a couple or a few, uh, astrology books on the Tamed Wild website. So folks can like dive into studying further, but Shelby, do you have a favorite one that's there or otherwise? Um, so the, the one I would recommend on the website is called your big three. And it's for people who are just getting into astrology or really want to know their sun, moon rising. That book breaks it down really easily. Um, but really this planets in play by Lawrence Hillman for me, like I said before, it just kind of opened the door to a whole different way of imagining the planets and their energies. And he, he really, you know, he talks about each planet as a person and, and again, what they're wearing and like, what chair are they sitting in? You know, what kind of hat do they have on? And it, it gets very detailed, but it gives you this visual that I have found really useful. So that would be mine. Kristen, do you have a favorite planetary book? You know, not too long ago, I read a book called Planetary Magic, um, The Heart of Western Magic by Phillips and Denning. Um, And it was really great. It was dense. I do have to say that. Um, And it had, um, I wouldn't say it was like a witchcraft slant. I would say it touched on more than one um, magical practice. Um, But it has some of like the best correspondence correspondence lists I've ever seen um, when it comes to the planet. So I think um, that in itself was really, really helpful. It had some correspondences I've never seen before. Um, So if that speaks to anyone, I would say that's a great place to start. What about you, Kate? I'm such a Juliana McCarthy fan and listeners. She came on the podcast a couple of months ago, but I love her work. her blog, and then also just her book that she put out. I think it's such a nice, nice guide um, and, and includes some of the mythology, which I really enjoy. Um, and she's she's a poet at heart. So I, I, I gravitate towards her astrological perspectives. Um, 
And then also just like shout out to Riss because Riss has come on the podcast so much <laughs> and taught all of us so much about the planets. So um, mm-hmm. no book out yet, but soon. Yes. Moon Musings on the blog and sends yes. a great newsletter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's my go-to. I'm always like, Riss, did I, what do you think about this? <laughs> Riss, did I do this wrong? <laughs> I think Liz Green's work is really cool too. I love, yeah, I loved that mm-hmm. her Saturn book. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it on my shelf. I'm like, what's over there? I got rulers of the horoscope, the luminary, Saturn. I listened to um, the, her old look at a new devil, the Saturn book on an audio. And it was like, I was just like doing dishes and, you know, it was just fascinating. In the shower, I'm like carrying it around with me everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I bought that at the start of my Saturn return. And mm-hmm. kind of just like carried it around and didn't even open it for like the first year and a half. <laughs> and then finally I was like, okay, it's time. <laughs> I think that it's interesting that you could read a hundred astrology books and they're all, the, the, I don't want to say they're all the same, but they are have the similar basis, but they're all different. You know, when you mm-hmm. can learn so much and every astrologer I've ever met has said, like, I've been studying my chart for years and new things appear each time I look at it. And it's so true, you know, it's just like this well of knowledge that you can look at from so many different perspectives. And maybe it's similar too that like when the planets appear, we're ready to learn about them, but we also notice the things in our own charts and the charts of others when they or ourselves are ready to to look there. Yeah. Yeah, I find that. I find like certain circumstances, you know, or an event will happen or something will happen in my life that I'm like, God, what did I, how did I not know? You know, and I'll look and I'll be like, oh, that's, I didn't pay attention. You know, I hadn't been looking at that part of my chart or that planet hadn't really jumped out at me yet. And now he's like screaming at me. So. (laughs) So Shelby, Kristen, I think that we are running out of time. Um, But before we go, Shelby, I have one more question for you. Earlier, you were brought up a little bit about working with planetary uh, magic uh, in your coaching practice. Uh, So could you talk a little bit about that and then maybe where uh, our listeners can and find more of this work? Um, Yeah, so I offer small business coaching and the program that I designed um, is based on the astrological house wheel and really pulls into it the planets and the luminaries um, as a basis for looking at your business and your new business or your business you've already started and kind of looking at the health of it. So yeah, I'm at themooningcarolina.com or at moonincarolina on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us, Shelby and listeners, today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at K8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog tamedwild.com. Join us for next month's bonus summer episode with a very special guest or two. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time.